Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I'm Kevin Sassaman, and you're listening to Sasshole, which is not another shitty podcast. Each week, I've dived deep into a topic, and you, for some reason, listen to it. So sit back and prepare yourself for whatever is about to come your way. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode! So this week I decided I was going to talk about books because I'm a nerd and it's amazing that it took this long for me to actually start talking about that. I don't know, like I've always been a, I've always been a book nerd ever since I was little. I was always like the kid who's like always reading. I mean, I don't do it as much now. I still read a lot more than the average college student does, I think, especially like in terms of pleasure because most of my friends, if not almost all of them, like off the top, off the top of my head, I can think of maybe one other person who like actively tells me that they read things for enjoyment besides me <laughs> so I think I'm in the very small minority here but I I still read some obviously not as much as I did when I was a kid because I don't have much time but I, I tend to read pretty much every day not as much as the weekend so every weekday I pretty much read that's because like I read to fall asleep I always have my kindle sitting right next to me when I like it, I have a little like pocket thing and I have a kindle that like just sits right next to my bed so I can read it and then just like close it and like pass out which I probably talked about last week but you're hearing it again anyway because it's still relevant because it's still reading and still books well I don't know kindles okay so kindles are like a big huge controversy I don't think they are as much anymore but like I remember e-readers when they first started becoming like popularized being like a huge scandal like I just remember like everyone's like oh ebooks and also I find it really funny that like ebooks used to, there used to be like a huge debate between like which device to use for ebooks only one I really remember, like, only two, I only remember two, like, being ever popularized. I think, like, the Kindle from Amazon and then also the Nook from Barnes & Noble. But, like, the Nook doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it, it, well, it probably does. I, I haven't heard of it in years because Amazon just kind of was like, nope, that's our category. And I also think, like, e-readers just kind of, like, died in popularity very fast. Like, people either, like, read on their phone or they don't read at all. I guess, I don't know, because I, 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 I never see Kindles anymore. Not that I saw them a lot in the first place. I used to have, so my when I first got a Kindle, I had it, like I used to bring it to school, and I had, it was like one of the ones where it was like, so some of them have like ads that are like built into it, and you have to listen to, like you like when you turn it off, it just shows an ad. But I had one that was like one of the fancy ones without ads, because um, I think it was before Amazon was smart enough to be like, oh, we should put ads on this. And they, it would just like show like famous authors when it was turned off. And it was a little like, it had a little keyboard built into it. And it had like physical buttons to change the page um, instead of like tapping on the screen. It was like one of the really old, very like early on Kindles. My parent, my, my mom was like, oh, this is right up his alley. This kid's a nerd. And so um, I had one of those. And I remember I always had a case on it. And then eventually I was like, this thing is pretty sturdy. Like, I don't need a case on this. And I brought it to school. And I had it sitting on top of my, like, my pile of notebooks. This is eighth grade. I can think of the exact moment when it happened. Because this is, like, this is, like, childhood trauma <laughs> to me. And I'm sitting in, like, I'm in the hallway. get empty out my locker. And I'm turning around to start walking class. And the Kindle just slides off my books and lands face down on the ground. And I just kind of was like, oh, okay. And I picked it up. And I was like, cool, it looks fine. And I kept walking. Because, like, the way that Kindles work, I think, is that, like, the screen, like, somehow the pixels are like permanently on when it's off like it like the pixels are just like pigments or something it doesn't take up any battery I don't know I don't understand technology and so like it just looked like the screen was fine and then I turned it on when I got to like my study block to like because I wanted to read and it just like didn't work it, like only part of the screen changed and like it just completely glitched out I was heartbroken that that shit hurted <laughs> and so I don't know. I, I, I eventually ended up getting another Kindle, and that's the one I have now. And I always keep it in the case, and I'm always very protective of it. I like I just like the convenience of Kindles. In terms of, like, the book, the debate between, like, Kindles versus books, uh, like, physical books, I, I like the convenience of Kindles because, A, you can have as many books on you, like, wherever you are. Like, those things have so much storage, and it's just storing, like, words. Like, it's not storing, like, heavy files. Like, there's no photos, generally. So, like, the... The, the actual like you store so many books on there and it's not like you're reading that many books anyway so like it's kind of like you have a library to go which is amazing and on top of that like you can rent from your library from anywhere like in terms of like 
a, like a, at least a library in my hometown like you can go online and get like rent the ebook and have it delivered wirelessly to your kindle and you can read it from your kindle and i love doing that and life hack for anything i know i know i have a librarian friend who listens to this and i'm sorry if this offends you but life hack for anyone who does do this if you turn your kindle's wi-fi off before the return date of the book you can keep reading the book until you finish so just turn the wi-fi back on and it'll ret- the book returns like you don't get overdraft fees or anything like that because it, it returns within the cloud but your device doesn't have the date like at least mine at least doesn't have the date of when the book has to be returned in there so it doesn't lock you out as soon as that date hits on the kindle so like you can just like keep reading the book like that which is nice because most of the time you, what you're gonna do is you're gonna go back and you're gonna rent it again anyway it's just a hassle to have it undo and that way everyone gets to read <laughs> is my justification for it. Yeah, I, I like to have my Kindle. It just It's just convenient. Like when I go on vacations, I don't I don't tend to bring physical books. I tend to like tend to like rely on my Kindle unless I'm really into the physical book I'm in right now. But I also love physical books. Just like they're classic. You can't go wrong with them. I love I love going to like bookstores and it's like I love the smell of new books. And I sometimes like the smell of old books. Sometimes they're like musty and gross. Like sometimes it's just like the smell of like being in a, like an old used bookstore. It's just like so like comforting, and like it's just like it's like earthy and like oh, it's so beautiful. And I know like that's probably like bad for the environment at this point. I mean, obviously <laughs> there's things that we're doing much worse than printing books for the environment. But like, I guess Kindles are more ethical in terms of the environment. But yeah, that's like, I don't know. I, I don't have a stance on the Kindle versus books debate. I think they both have their uses. Like, one of the uses, like, okay, so the biggest book I've ever read is Battle Royale. Uh, it's a Japanese book, but I read some, like, English translation because I don't speak Japanese. That'd be cool if I did. And it was it's basically, like, a lot of people claimed it as a ripoff of The Hunger Games. But, I mean, I think it's just similar ideas and people are like, rip off because everyone likes scandals. But I read this book, and basically it's like a classroom of kids that all get, like, every year abducted. They abduct, like, one classroom of kids in Japan. It's, like, it's not, like, it's set in the geographic location of Japan. It's obviously not actually Japan doing this. It's, like, some, like, fictional government that, like, took over and is totalitarian and all that. The typical dystopian stuff. Basically, every year the government kidnaps one full class of students, and then they all get put on this island. They're like, yeah, so you guys have to kill each other. And they all supposed to fight until, like, one of them's dead. Like, until only one of them is alive, I should say. <laughs> only one person dies. And so I guess what, that's how it's similar to The Hunger Games. I see that connection. But I read it because I heard it was a really good book. And there's a movie based off of it, but I can't do gore, so I didn't watch the movie. This book is incredibly gory. <laughs> like, I don't want to be too explicit, but there's this one scene where basically this girl, like, gouges this guy's eyes out. And it's laid out for you in explicit detail. Which is really, really cool to read because you have that nice little degree of separation of like, oh, this isn't actually happening to me. But yeah, I, I, this is the biggest book I've ever read. And this is like also why I like prefer the physical book for this because a, it looks really cool. Like you look like a smart person when you have a book that big and you're carrying it around. But also what I did is in the front of the book they had, my friend recommended me to do this. There is a list of every single person, like the class roster. And I just carried a red pen with me when I read the book, and I would always cross off the names as they died. So fun. And it's also good to keep track of, like, who was alive, because then you could, like, it was, it was a lot of, it was, like, I think there was, like, 40 kids or something like that. So it was, it was nice to be able to keep track, and, like, also in the beginning of the book, to be like, oh, that person's dead. I don't have to even worry about knowing that name, because they're, they're dead and gone. But, yeah, no, the book, it was a really, really good book. It was really cool. It wasn't Hunger Games-esque in the idea that it was ultimately centered around the government being bad uh it's not really how it ended but it was it was just it was a cool like survival novel uh i really enjoyed it that's like the biggest book i've ever read i'm technically reading a bigger book right now on my kindle uh i just started for the third time under the dome by stephen king and okay this book is like a thousand pages long and i have never read a book that long and like it's my first actual stephen king novel which i know is like the like (laughs) The most, like, I don't know, what's what's the right word? Um, I don't know, it's the most, not tame, but, like, what's, like, a, I need a, I need a synonym for tame that's, like, 
also like stupidly tame. Anyway, um, I'm reading Under the Dome, and that's 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 gonna be the new longest book I've ever read. But like, it's it's just not gonna feel like that because it's not like the actual physical book. But I think it's also another cool aspect of like physical books is you can like you have like that like you are you you physically can feel yourself moving through the book. Um, in terms of other books I'm reading right now, I'm currently reading The Circle by Dave Eggers, and they made a movie off it recently with Emma Watson. That's how I got interested in the book, and it is so good. And so, like, I read this book when I... So I work for security on campus, so I work at the desk, and you're allowed to, like, read a book when you're working. You're not allowed to have an e-reader, so which is why I don't use my, like, Kindle book. But uh, I have my physical book that I read, because I usually I don't like reading more than one book at once. I'm currently technically reading three because... Uh, they have different purposes, which I I can justify to myself. But usually, I like just like a one book kind of deal, and so I'm reading The Circle by Dave Eggers, and it's it's so intense and so good. And I just I love the reason I love reading so much is because you can get transported into this world, and it's you're no longer stuck in reality. Which I don't really use it for escapism. Like I know like some people like read to escape, which is not really what I do. I don't know. I've never been like, been like, oh, I don't like what's going on in my life right now. I'm going to read and forget about it. Like, that's just not my method of getting rid of it. But I do really enjoy when like I'm reading and all of a sudden I look up and it's like an hour later. I'm like, oh, oh, hello. I am not a, like, I'm not fighting a dragon right now or whatever. Like some extreme things happening in the book. And I think it's also why I prefer books over like TV shows or like movies, which I'll, I'll talk, I'll talk about book movies. Uh, whoa. I just can't form sentences sometimes, and I think I also talk way too fast sometimes, which is why things like that previous blurb happened. But I will talk about book versus movies. I, I'll talk about it right now. I like, okay, I like books because they can pull you in, they can give you that intense connection. Like, you can't, like, there's no physical way possible for you to watch a movie and feel that deep of connection with the character in the way that you could after reading even just a 300-page novel. Like, you don't get that like that in-depth insight and connection with that character. Especially because a lot of times, when if you're, if you're comparing books and movies, you have to ultimately compare, like... Actually, no, you don't. I don't know. I was going to say you have to compare, like, the books with the movie interpretation of the books, but I think that's harder because certain things are better suited for cinema and certain things are better suited for literature oh my, i feel so fancy cinema and literature but <laughs> i i don't even know and i guess that's something you have to consider as well like i just watched this movie parasite which is absolutely amazing but i can't say i would have enjoyed it as much as a book like as a book i think the way that they built the movie was absolutely fantastic and it needed to be within that two hour time block. If I did, it had been in a, like if it had been like spread out over weeks, I wouldn't have felt like the intensity of the movie when I guess movies are also very good at building that intensity, which also happens with books. Like I have had moments where like I'm reading my book and like, I can't like, I'm just like jittery and my heart starts pounding. Cause I'm like physically in the Like I get, I, like, I've obviously been talking about this, like, dancing around it, but, like, I physically get, like, transported into books. I am that character. I'm experiencing those things, which I don't know if everyone has that level of connection when they're reading. I don't know. I just, like, when I really get into a book, that's when, like, I physically am that character, which is also why I feel like I make deeper connections with those characters, especially when they are built around something I can relate to. Like, I read this book uh, this summer. I think it was this summer. Yeah, it was this summer called What If It's Us by Becky Albertalli and Adam Silvera. And it was two characters, and they each of the authors wrote one of the characters. So Becky Albertalli also wrote Simon vs. Homie Sapiens Agenda, which was made into Love, Simon, that movie from a couple years. Not a couple years. But I don't even know how long ago that was at this point. It was definitely high school, so it's been like two years probably. But same author. And Adam Silvera is known for, like, writing a lot of, like, LGBT novels. And they're both known for... So, Becky Evertali is known for having, like, happier endings to her books. And Adam Silvera is known for having, like, sad endings to his books. And so I remember reading an interview, and the interview was like, oh, yeah, so we couldn't decide between them, so we just made a heartbreaking ending that, like, wasn't bad, but wasn't good. And that 
absolutely destroyed me. I remember I was reading it and I was like, yeah, this is a pretty good book. And then I got like one night, all of a sudden I was like, I was halfway through the book and then I sat down and I finished it. It took me like a couple hours and I just like, I couldn't put it down. Like I physically finished it and it was 1am and I was so emotionally exhausted from like, A, from reading for that long and then being that late, but like just also the connection with the characters and what they had gone through. I sobbed like a baby and I haven't cried that hard in a long time. And it was all over this one book. And then the next day I went back and I reread the ending and I cried again. And I have pictures of my phone myself just crying about this book. And it's so funny. But like, I, it's just amazing. Like, I, like, I, that, I've cried over movies. I cried, <laughs> I've cried over, I cried over the Love, Simon movie at like the happy part. But like, not the sad part. I don't know. And then I've cried, I cried during Endgame like seven times which like if you've seen endgame you know why i might have cried like seven times even though like yeah but anyway like books versus movies like it's it's kind of apples to oranges but it's like more so like it's more so like oranges to grapefruits where they're pretty similar but they definitely had their different uses i'm trying to think of a better connection like i feel like yeah like one's just a beefier version of the other and slightly more bitter so i feel like the, i feel like the books would be the grapefruit in this situation and movies would be oranges because like the books are beefier and they got more detail and they're usually like they can i don't know anyway <laughs> stupid connection stupid tangent but yeah i don't know i just i so actually this just like literally is so recent like literally within the af- like last hour of me recording like not of me recording before i recorded this I just had a class and it's, the class is on, it's a set, it's a one credit seminar. So it's just like a once a week thing where I go for an hour and I sit kind of comatose and I hope I get an A in the class. And the professor is this absolutely like little adorable guy. And he's like, he's so excited. It's like, so it's a data science seminar. Cause I was trying to learn a little bit of Python because I'm kind of interested in data science and I want to see how that might connect to epidemiology. So I was like, I'll take this. But I didn't realize until after I got in that it was on humanities. It was like a humanities-focused course on data science. And so he's talking all about novels. And so he had us, he has us reading this book called The Bestseller Code right now. And, <laughs> I mean, the book, it, 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 it talks all about, like, what makes a bestseller. And it talks about how, like, it, it's really it's really really cool so we spent this entire hour of this last class talking about the first part of the book which is literally just like how we are psychologically manipulated into liking certain things and so like the people who wrote the book made this algorithm that could detect like whether or not this book would be a bestseller based off of factors like uh how much of the book is covered by a certain type of topic uh, how those topics are spread out throughout the book what is the emotional curves of the book so like when are you feeling high when are you feeling low what the characters are like, what are the actual details of the plot, and like we found things like we it found things like the topic of human closeness is like almost all bestsellers have that topic within it, um, which is really cool. We spent the whole hour talking about that, and we also talked about like how like YouTube makes recommendations for us and how Instagram ads are like tailored to like what we like, which is all really cool and all like super like psychological and like. It makes me feel like, well, I don't know. I don't really tend to read a lot of bestsellers stuff. I feel like, I don't know. And it's also like, it also made me consider like, why do we not read those bestsellers that everyone likes for English classes? Because, okay, English classes, like, I have a love-hate like relationship with English classes. It really depends on the professor for me. So, like... I, a lot of times I'd find that I liked the professor and I still hated the class just because, like, English is, like, I don't know. I don't read to look at the details and be like, oh, wow, the sky is really blue there. That must mean that they're sad. Like, that's not why I read. I read to just, like, purely, like, like for just for pure enjoyment. And I've found that, like, through these English classes, I've done a little bit more, like, analysis into what I'm reading like I'm still never gonna stop there and be like wow I'm really glad they used that metaphor there and so that's why I've never really liked English classes that's why I think English classes tend to ruin reading for a lot of people like I genuinely think that if we didn't have English classes that forced us to read novels and look at them in this critical way that people don't want to do 
like I'm not saying English classes are bad. I'm saying that English classes should be taught in a different way that would this is like sometimes I have like really really intense like this is like political but like you, like you know what I mean like I like this is like a very like big idea and I talk about it like I'm so confident in it and it's like literally things I'm coming off with like on the cusp like oh yeah like we should restructure English classes but like I really do think that like I think people would benefit from a class that allows them to explore English in ways that would encourage them to do a little bit more deeper analysis of reading but I think it should be applied more so to real life reading like analysis of political articles and political propaganda and stuff like that not all po- politics but like that's the first thing thing that popped to mind like I, I don't know. Like, I feel like it could be m- more set in real-world applications. Because that's what I felt. Like, I feel like English is kind of separate out of, like, the four core main subjects, math, science, history, English. I feel like English is the most separated from reality. Obviously, math, based in reality. Science, very based in reality. History is literally talking about reality, or past realities, I should say. So, like, I feel like English kind of, like, lacks that degree is like oh yeah we're reading about this book like cool like catcher in the rye that holden kid like is weird and he went to a city for the day i hated catcher in the rye which i know is a very un not very unpopular opinion but like i had friends who were like kevin are you kidding me this is my favorite book we ever read for english class like i just i don't like books without plot lines i need something to follow i need something to root for and i need to feel type of revol- resolution to feel satisfied at the end of the day if i'm just sitting here and this kid is just going to new york because he wants to and he's a rebel kid and he wants to catch all the kids in the rye which i don't understand the analogy there like did he have a bad childhood and he's trying to solve that i don't know and i don't care because i had no connection to this character who just did nothing for an entire day and this novel is like wow this is so good like i don't know that's not that I'm also like I'm very much into like science fiction writing which I think is also like the ability not ability to like it's not like it's escaping reality in a way like I can't escape reality in a book like that where I'm like oh I'm walking around New York City this is really fun like I feel like that's much more engaging to be like oh my god there's a magician here who's going to turn me into a frog like what do I do like that's more intense to me or even like mystery things like I just read I just finished this book called blood for blood and it was about this woman who was a profiler for in the UK and she was trying to catch a serial killer and like that's super cool because you get to like oh my god there's a serial killer and oh they might be coming after me I might be their prey like what's going on how do I solve this like what is going on with this guy and like it's also like if I wanted to I could be Holden I could go to New York City for the day because I want to and I'm a delinquent like I don't know. And, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of other... <laughs> I didn't like a lot of books we had to read for English class. I really... I wanted to enjoy The Great Gatsby, and I think I didn't get to fully engage in it because it was for English class, and I had to rush through it when I had other assignments that I had to do as well, and so it kind of took the back burner. So I have I have a copy of it, and I want to reread it. Because I remember, like, not caring about the movie, because my friends watched the movie, like, when it came out, and that was before we read it for school. I just, like, I did not care for the movie. I didn't even watch it. I was like, oh, look, there's a, a spoiler alert, sorry. There's a car and it's hitting a woman. Oh, no. And now Gatsby's getting shot. Oh, no. And, like, so I didn't really care for the movie, but, like, the book, like, I don't know. I felt like the, I felt more of a connection with the book. And I also, oh, man, I, I can't, I cannot talk about Gatsby without giving this whole story. So, basically, I read Great Gatsby in 11th grade for English class, and we had to do a presentation on it. And so it was me and my friend Rory and my friend Kaylee. And, oh, you know Kaylee. You've, you've heard Kaylee talk into this microphone before. But we were <laughs> presenting on Great Gatsby. And for some reason, I was insistent on calling Gatsby Jay Gatsby. I, was, I, I felt the need to say his first name. And I also had not purposely but kind of like once I had realized I was doing it I was like oh I'm doing this I made every single novel about being gay <laughs> that we read that year and so for like The Great Gatsby that's a very obvious connection uh, we also read like Dante's Inferno or like something similar to that it was something that's had to relate to Dante's Inferno it was like it's a famous book I didn't actually read it I read all the spark notes for that book 
I'm sorry, Miss Hoff, if you're listening for some reason. But so we're presenting about Gatsby and I'm saying Jay Gatsby over and over again. And everyone else is being normal saying Gatsby. And I at one point is my little Freudian slip. And I know that Nick, I think it's Nick Carraway, Nick Carraway and Jay Gatsby are lovers. And so I said gay Gatsby in front of my entire class. And then I had to compose myself and then finish the presentation. I, to be fair, it's not the most embarrassing thing that's happened to me in an English class, but it was, it, it was a struggle. It, it was, it was a hard time in my life. And I, we finished the presentation and my teacher was like, that was so good. And I, I, I don't know if it was cause she thought it was funny or what, <laughs> but yeah. And then I don't know. That's, and then also other English books. That's what I was trying to talk about. I also really hated Lord of the Flies. I hated that book. I don't know what it was about it. I don't know why I found it so boring. I just, I thought it was so dumb. And I'm like, yeah, obviously little shithead kids are going to, like, kill each other. Like, congrats. Like, they're little kids and they're stuck on this island. Like, and obviously, like, they're going to die eventually. Or I don't even know how to, were they rescued at the end of that book? I don't know. I don't care. I hope they weren't. Because they were all awful little human beings and I didn't like any of them. That's also, if I don't like any of the characters, it's not going to be a book I enjoy, which I feel like is obvious. But like, if you, if I'm reading a novel and there is a pretty decent sized cast and I don't like any of them, that's just bad writing in my opinion. Like if, if, if there's a whole cast and I can't find any reason to like any of them, that's not on me. That's on whoever wrote the book. <laughs> which also kind of happened with Romeo and Juliet. I remember talking with my teacher in ninth grade and talking about Romeo and Juliet and being just like, you know what? I really don't like any of these characters besides like Benicio, Benito, Benicio. It's a B name and it's really long. And that was the only character I liked from Romeo and Juliet and like the only one I could stand. And so I he was the only one I liked and I just that Romeo and Juliet was so hard for me to get through because I only liked that one character and then we watched the movie and I didn't even like the character in the movie so like it was just like I liked the book I liked the Shakespeare version of him and not even the Shakespeare like version like the English and the Sparknotes Moodle version of Benicio whatever his name is because God knows I'm not actually reading Shakespeare like I'm not putting the effort into that he can speak in regular English and I will read his books all he wants I'm not going to figure out how you're saying things in Old English. I don't know if this is making me sound like a lazy reader or what. I also, I, once again, I'm questioning how good of a human being I am because <laughs> of this podcast. I'm talking about myself. I'm like, wow, what are people going to think of this? Are people going to think I'm a jerk? But it's too late now because we are almost, this is episode nine, I think. I might be wrong about that, but we're getting close to double digits and that's spooky. But yeah. I don't know. I didn't like that. And also, I remember, like, killing Benicio, whatever his name is. It's definitely not Benicio, but I'm going with Benicio. Um, Bartholomew? No. Benicio. I remember at the end of the year, we had, for our final for that class, we had to take a character from the novel and write what happened to them after the novel. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to kill Benicio. And I made my whole thing about him feeling so bad about Romeo and Juliet dying. Spoiler alert that he blamed it all on himself and he ended up killing himself. And so the one character I liked in that entire novel, I killed at the end of the year. I think I did pretty well in that final. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I've always been exposed to books, I guess, my whole life. Like, I like I know there's studies behind it that, like, reading to your kids is, like, very beneficial to them. And if I ever have kids... I will try to do that, especially because I love reading, and, like, that seems like a really sweet, like, bonding time. Like, I remember, like, I was always so excited for that. Like, my dad would always read to me when I was little. My mom would, too, but I think it was mostly my dad, if I, like, obviously, I was little, I don't remember everything, but I I remember my dad doing most of it, because I remember my mom used to read this other book I'm going to talk about a little later, because later I'm going to go over, per recommendation of my librarian friend, Callie, like, what to, like, my five most, like, the five books that changed my life. Um, which is why those of you who know me and know my middle school self, why I haven't mentioned a certain novel in depth, but (laughs) 
I remember my dad reading to me and as a little kid, we'd always just, he'd read me to sleep every night. And then I remember when my mom, my dad went to, my mom, dad, and my brother basically all left me uh, to go to China to pick up my sister and bring her home. Um, my sister's adopted. We, <laughs> I remember waking up, first of all, I remember that day waking up and like being like, where are they? Even though I knew they were leaving. Fool I was. And then also my dad made recordings and I'm pretty sure they were on like, no, that's, I feel like I, they might've been on cassette tapes of him reading books. And like, that's what I used to get through when they were gone, like listening to him, like with reading to me on tape, uh, which is like the cutest thing ever. Like that is so cute. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. I also feel like I have this extinct memory of this book called The Velveteen Rabbit when I was little. I can't remember, like, how I read it. I think it was about this, like, kid or little girl who got, like, some kind of really bad fever and died. Like, hay fever. No, it's not. Hay fever's not bad. I don't think. I don't know. Scarlet fever. That's what it was. That's Scarlet fever is bad. <laughs> and this kid getting scarlet fever and dying, I think, whatever. And there's a rabbit that helped them. And I had a little pet rabbit, like not pet rabbit. I didn't have a pet rabbit. I had a stuffed rabbit when I was little and I, I would always like read it with that. I don't know if it, I don't think it, no, it didn't. Cause I had the, I got the pet rabbit when I was at the butt. It's not a pet rabbit. I've never had a pet rabbit, a uh, little bunny rabbit, like stuffed animal since I was born. I remember cause it's called Bunna. I don't, I think I still have it somewhere. I can't imagine I threw it out. Cause it was like, it was like a child with like one of those, like it's like your baby blanket. Like that's like what it was. I think I also probably have a baby blanket somewhere. I guess I should go into like the five books that kind of changed my life. I don't know if these all changed my life, but I think these are the five books that were most significant in, they either had a significance in changing my reading career <laughs> or they had a really big impact on me as a kid, I think. I had a really hard time building this list because I read a lot. I, oh my gosh, I haven't talked about Goodreads. Okay, we're taking a brief intermission to talk about Goodreads. Goodreads is my favorite thing ever. I like, tell people my favorite forms of social media because I don't like social media. I try not to use it because it's bad. I'll talk about that in a different episode. But I do love, like, so much. I love Goodreads and I love Spotify. And you're saying Spotify is not a social media. Yes, it is. You can see what your friends are listening to for your music. And that's really fun to me. But Goodreads is basically like social media, but you just talk about books, which is amazing. <laughs> so like every year they have this thing where you can set up and like you can do a reading challenge. And so I always set my goal every year for 24 because I'm like two books a month. That's doable. And then I'm great through June and then all of a sudden summer hits. And for some reason, I read less in the summer. I think it's because I'm always doing other things with friends. And I think also because at home, I don't have the routine of reading my Kindle before bed. So I don't go through that book. And I'm also not working security either because I read a lot of security. But yeah, I I love Goodreads so much. And I, I don't have that many people that I'm like friends with on there because no one else is a book nerd like me. But like, me and my mom were on there. Me and my friend Marissa were on there. And we love our Goodreads. And we you, basically, like, you literally post about, like, when you finish a book and you can rate it. And, like, so, like, I use it to keep track of what I've read. And I also have, like, a want-to-read list, which is really bad because I will go into, like, a bookstore. And, like, instead of buying any books, I will just sit there and I will scan, like, every book I like into the system. And so I have like a million books on <laughs> my Goodreads. Let me pull up the exact number because it's absolutely preposterous. And at the rate I read books, I will never, ever get through all of these books, which is really unfortunate because they all are really good. I have, okay, so I've had Goodreads for probably like two years now. I have read a total of 39 books in that time, which is really sad and I wish it was more. But <laughs> my want to read list is 289 books long. Let's see. Okay. So let's just say I'm reading about 20 books a year, which I think is an exaggeration. 289 books. And this list grows every time I go to a bookstore. Every single time. I went into 
the bookstore in town, which I go to way too often because I love that place. It's literally my favorite shop in town. And basically, if you ever want to date me, bring me to a bookstore. I will love you forever. And <laughs> I went in and I just, I scanned books and I don't buy anything because I don't, I'm like, I have too many books I'm reading right now and I have too many on my list. And also like, I rent a lot of books in the library because I don't like, I don't like, spoiler alert, I don't like spending a lot of money. And so the library, that shit free. And I love the library so much. And so I go to the library and I just rent the books. And so like, I don't ever buy books from the thing, like from bookstores usually, unless it's like really good on sale or it's a used version and so i have 289 books divide that by about 20 books a year that means it's going to take me about 14 and a half years to read all of these books now in 14 and a half years i will be 35 i (laughs) it's not realistic this, I will never finish that Goodreads list, which is so sad because that means there's, well, I mean, I could theoretically if I start actually reading more, which I'm trying to do because I'm addicted to my phone, which I've mentioned several times in this podcast. And so if I feel like I use my phone less and I read more, it's good. But my issue is also that I like reading when I can sit down and like get into it for a hot sec and like not like read two pages and move on. Like I, I need, I need to have like a definitive, like this is I'm what I'm doing right now. I am reading right now. But I, I just try getting to that. But anyway, 15 years of books. Hmm. When I was little, I always wanted to be an editor for, like, books. I was like, oh, like, I'll just be, like, a book editor. And, like, I'll be, like, a publisher and I'll read books and manuscripts. And then, like, I'll decide what gets published or not. Like, that was, like, what the job, like, the job I wanted before I realized science was kind of cool. Like, that would work out for me. Not so much anymore. I was, like... I was, I don't know, go, this is going back to, like, the reading to your kids thing, but I'm pretty sure, like, reading to your kids has shown, like, it improved literacy in students, and in, in non-students, in kids. And so, like, I remember in, like, kindergarten, like, having to go to the first grade classrooms and find books to read because I, like, was, the kindergarten books were all too easy for me. And then, oh my god, in first grade, we had this, that's not the same thing. I, I'm thinking in fourth grade, but first grade we had these like number scrolls and basically it was like writing out every single number and we'd compete all year to have the longest scroll and we had literally like thousands of numbers written down like one two three i don't know what kind of crack we were on to think that was fun but we did it fourth grade we had to read books i think there was like a not like a requirement but like you should read this amount of books i obviously blew through that because i what i would do was we had to read a certain amount of fiction non-fiction and poetry and i Poetry and nonfiction don't bang. Don't like them. Don't want to read them. Like, I'll read a textbook because that's learning things that I care about. But, like, I will almost never. Like, I, I can't say never because I have some nonfiction books I am interested in reading. But, like, it's very rare that you'll find me reading a nonfiction book. So, I'd read my fiction books and I'd take my time in those. And then I'd get to my nonfiction books and my poetry. And I would bang through all of the requirements in like a day because I'd just bring home the easiest ones, bring them home, read them all. So, I had the longest list because I also just like a, like a average reader so I had so many books in fourth grade and I was also like the only kiss ass that actually like kept track of all the books I read like most kids are like yeah I read more than this but like I don't care anyway so yeah I guess I should talk about the five books that changed my life so I don't know if I should save the one that everyone's waiting for for last yeah I'll save it for last I'll do these in order what I probably read them in yeah no I can do the order that I read them in so I guess the first book, this is like a series of books, not like one civic one, but when I was little, I think this is one of the books that my mom would read to me. Like, I don't think my, I think it was mostly my dad. My mom definitely read some to me, and I think the ones that she would read were called Toot and Puddle. And it's little picture, they're picture books about um, these two little pigs called Toot and Puddle who were BFFs, and they did everything together, and like, they had like cute little adventures, and like go and they get maple syrup in the woods, and then there's one where, like, one of them went off around the world. The other one was really sad at home. And I loved those books. And I think those books spawned my need for, like, <laughs> an imaginary friend or something. Because I think I remember, like, wanting an imaginary friend and being like, Mom, make me an imaginary friend. And my mom was like, well, what do you want? I'm like, something like Toot and Puddle, I think. 
that might be a completely like fabricated memory but I don't know I loved Toot and Puddle those books were my everything when I was little and then I guess the next book I like I don't have a ton to say about Toot and Puddle just because like I don't know I think I think it just that was its impact in my life but it's like it's if I go back and I think about childhood like that would be the book I guess in terms of like before I started reading on my own the first book of books that I like read on my own that I would say makes this little this little group of five is where the red fern grows by Wilson Rawls okay so this book I it was definitely above my reading level when I read it I don't know if I parsed the actual depth of the story because I kind of want to reread it now now that I'm older because like I feel like I'd probably get something different out of it which I all think, think is so cool about books because like I don't tend to reread because I have so much new stuff I want to read hence my 15 years worth of books that I want to read but I don't tend to reread but like I feel like this is a book I could reread now obviously when I'm much older and like get a different story out of it and basically this book is about this kid if I remember correctly this kid and he had two little puppies and he's trained them to be hunting dogs and basically spoiler alert this is like this is a lot of spoiler alerts in this podcast i'm talking about books that i've read you're gonna have to deal with it and in the end i think one of the dogs is attacked by a mountain lion and dies and the other one is so sad about the other one dying that it just like doesn't eat and it dies too and like me being like a little kid reading imagine the trauma i went through reading that like oh my god but yeah like that's (laughs) maybe i should bring that up to my therapist like you you know the book the way the red fern grows (laughs) that's a really bad joke (laughs) but anyway like i feel like that book i feel like that was like the first like book that i can think of that was like a chapter book that like really meant something to me and it, I really, I, I should reread it at some point. I think I have it in my little stack of books in my room at home of, like, things I need to read. I also have a stack of books here that I'm never going to get to because I haven't even finished one physical book since the year started. And we're coming up on two months of being here, which is kind of sad. I haven't been doing much reading at security, which I, I went through a lot of books at the end of last year once I got my security job. But I haven't been going through as many because I've been doing a lot of physical notes during work and I... I'm excited for next semester when hopefully those physical notes will go down and I can start doing a little bit more reading again. But anyway, that was probably like the first chapter book that really meant something to me. And then the next book. Okay, I I think I cried about a book before this. I probably cried about Where the Red Fern Grows. I prob- I've had to have. The dogs died. Uh, and then I also cried probably about Marley and Me, probably before this next book. But this is a book that made me cry really hard. And I have a distinct memory of it because this book is Bridge to Terabithia. Now, if any of you who are in my fifth grade class, you probably remember this because this was a very weird moment where my teacher is reading us Bridge to Terabithia. And once again, spoiler alert, if you don't want to hear this, just just stop listening to the podcast at this point. (laughs) Normally, I wouldn't tell you to do that, but like have a good week i'll see you next sunday and so basically in this book there's a boy and a girl and they like have this like secret world they call like terabithia and it's really cute and my teacher's reading us one day she goes okay guys today in class like this reading this part the part we're gonna read today is very intense and i totally understand if you can handle that and if you want to leave the room and also fair warning like i might cry and I'm like, okay. And then we start reading. And then the girl dies in the book. And my teacher is reading it. And she starts crying. And I'm like a very empathetic person. Like if someone around me is crying, there is a 40% chance. Like, no, well, I will. It's not likely that I actually will cry in most cases. But like if someone around me is crying, I immediately feel the need to also cry. Which maybe it's just, it's just like me being an attention whore. But who knows? And so... <laughs> There's a lot of self-reflection going on today. And so she's reading and she starts crying over the girl dying. Because obviously it's a very sad, like, scene. And I start crying. And then so I remember my teacher's going, Kira, could you please take over? And, like, I'm just sitting there, like, I'm trying not to make a big deal out of it. I'm, like, I'm just crying to myself. Like, I have the book. And I'm just, like, 
looking down and just crying, making sure my tears aren't hitting the page because I don't want to ruin the book. Oh, tangent. People who dog-eared books are the scum of this earth. Like, that is on par with celery. Like, don't dog-ear your books. I'm sorry. Get a bookmark. Like, get a piece of paper. Put anything in the book. Don't dog-ear books. They don't deserve that. They deserve to be treated correctly and nicely. Don't dog-ear your books. And my teacher goes up and they, like, she goes and gets tissues and it's like, like, helping herself and she hands me tissues and that's when everyone else in the class realizes that I'm also crying and they're all like like giant eyes like staring at me like oh this kid's crying and so yeah so that's that that's the story of that I just it was crying class it was really powerful I don't think it really changed the reading for me all that much but or like my life or anything but it was kind of like it's also like a weird moment of emotional vulnerability that I don't think I really had otherwise in my childhood I think I was very much a person who was very closed off in my emotions until like honestly until I came out I've been a lot more in tune with my emotions and I'm a lot more willing to show them to other people I think Uh, both happy and sad emotions and I think that was like one time my childhood I had like a really sad emotion that I shared with people that openly but yeah like that book was just so good and like i remember watching the movie because we watched as a reward for reading the book in class we got to watch the movie and i remember watching the movie and i was like stone faced the whole death scene like it didn't affect me at all i'm like whatever and people are like why didn't you cry like we were expecting you to cry like we wanted you to cry again i'm like well first of all that's loaded second of all i mean it's a movie it doesn't affect me in the same way i don't have that connection with the character just like that like in the book this girl is like this actual human being that I have connection with this movie is just this blonde chick who falls in the river like I don't care <laughs> once again am I a bad human being anyway this next book well if I'm going in order oh this okay we're gonna stick with going in order that I read them so the next book is the hunger games which I'm sure any of you who know me or knew me in middle school you've been waiting for this topic to come up and I don't blame you. I still have the poster of the first book hanging up in my room <laughs> at home. And I there was a point fully where I remember being like, okay, so how am I going to bring all of my Hunger Games posters to college? <laughs> so bad. I had such an obsession. This was the first book that I have a distinct memory of being like, this is amazing. I love this. Because I read Harry Potter when I was little. And I just, meh. Like, I... I didn't hate it but I didn't overly love it I remember going and seeing all the movies with my aunts and I really loved that but like I never like and I and not like what like I didn't love that like I loved like the little event that we had but like it was never like I had this deep connection with Harry Potter which I know people who are like probably very few years older than me have that deep connection but for me I fell into that Hunger Games category and also Hunger Games then sparked uh the takeover of dystopian teen novels with a strong female lead <laughs> divergent <laughs> literally every other book published in 2014 and I don't know I remember I wanted I told my mom I was like I want to read the Hunger Games because I had heard about it and I didn't quite know what it was about but I was like that sounds kind of cool and my mom was like okay well I think that it might be too intense for you so I'm going to read it first I'm like okay my mom's reading it she gets part way through she goes yeah you're going to be allowed to read this but like I need to finish it first I'm like okay and I'm just getting very impatient for her to finish it because I want to read this book. And she finally finishes and she lets me read it. And I'm like, cool, okay. And I basically that entire next three novels worth of reading was me racing through the books and my mom trying to stay ahead of me so she didn't have to go back to where I was. Those books, like, I, they, that, I loved those books so much. And in middle school, we also had this thing called All in Reading, where basically these two uh, teachers, uh, Miss O'Leary and Miss Gatillo, had this program where they, every year they would have one book for the entire school to read, and that year was The Hunger Games, and all my friends knew I was obsessed with it when they announced that, to the point where they, they would show the trailers in the morning to like get people hyped up about the, the book and try to read the book, and I had all the words to the trailer memorized, like I could lip sync the whole thing. Like, that was me being a little drag queen in middle school, like, lip-syncing <laughs> the Hunger Games trailers. 
And yeah, like I, the, the Hunger Games is like the book that revolutionized me reading for me. And I, I, it was the, to this day, the book that I've ever been most obsessed with. I could talk about that for an insane amount of time. I don't, I don't really want to get into it, but I, I love the Hunger Games. I could do a whole podcast on just the Hunger Games. I remember listening to a podcast on the Hunger Games. Um, and they stopped, they stopped making episodes. And I was really sad because I thought they were really funny and cool. But yeah, the Hunger Games. And then I guess the last book would be, this is the most recent. I, it was this book. I sat down and I read the entire thing in one day because I had found the book and I was like this, I really feel a connection to the topic of this book right now in my life. I'm going to work on this. And it's called Openly Straight. It's by Bill Konigsberg. And the whole novel basically about this kid who feels very disconnected from the label of being gay. And he's like, I don't want to do that. So he goes to a private school and he basically just kind of says, like, I am not going to explicitly say that I'm not gay. Like, I'm not going to say I'm straight, but I'm not going to say that I'm gay. Like, I'm just avoiding that topic at all costs. And, like, the whole, like, him dealing with the, the idea of labels and all that, and it really resonated with me at the time, and it still does, because I really don't like labels. I'm, like... I, like, say I'm gay all the time, obviously, like, and I'm comfortable with that label, but, like, I don't like the idea of labels in the first place. They're not my favorite thing ever, and I get why we use them, but I don't like them. And so that book really resonated with me, and I I just, I really appreciated that novel, and I appreciated the viewpoint it gave me, and I think it made me a better person. I think out of all the books on this list, this is the book that really made me, that really changed me in a way that changed my personality, I guess, and made me, I think, a better person. I think it made me a better person. And I remember, like, reaching out to the author and being like, I really, like, I really appreciated this book. Thank you so much. And I just, uh, that book is really good. I'm not sure it would resonate with a lot of people. I just, it really resonated with me. And yeah, I don't know. I, that book meant a lot. I don't know. I don't know how much it can connect to other people, but I, I love that book. And so, yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of it with, um, books. I could, I could keep going, but I, I don't know. I just, books mean a lot to me and I will always forever be a reader. I love just what they do for me. And I love the, I love just being in a different world and seeing through different eyes. So yeah, I guess I'm all set. I know this isn't a book and this is an audio thing, but oh, also audiobooks are cool. That's a thing. But yeah, uh, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Twitter at Sassel Podcast and subscribe on Anchor and Spotify. I'll be back next Sunday with a new episode, but in the meantime, don't be a jerk, be a sasshole. <laughs>